We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to the Week 18 edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast Preview Show. I'm your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. We are going to break down every single game from a fantasy and a betting perspective as we get things rolling in an unprecedented, the first ever week 18 in the NFL. Here we go. All right, Mario, it has been a couple weeks uh, since we last were on this podcast. A big thanks to, to Alan uh, for jumping in last week. I, I uh, tuned in uh, for the show during my lengthy drive back to lengthy Atlanta. It was a lengthy pod. So, I mean, that really got me through pretty much all of North Carolina. So very, very thankful uh, for that one. But Mario, a lot has happened since we last talked. Uh, the wheels have completely fallen off. Uh, my Baltimore Ravens, things are not going well there, but uh, my Georgia Bulldogs have made the national championship and your boy is hitting the road Sunday to Indianapolis to go. Nice. Um, I haven't been able to follow the college football season very well, but I saw that that one George Pickens clip. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Pickens is a bad dude. and I mean, bad in a good way. He just shushed the, the Michigan defender and then just go go ahead and uh, just knocked him right over. And, and there's a great clip of, of Jamari Sawyer uh, completely pancaking Aiden Hutchinson, the, the projected maybe number one overall pick. He didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, that seems like a dumb one, the the, the Hutchinson hype. I'm very skeptical of it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll the guy was dominant. We, we, we'll unpack a lot more uh, draft stuff here in, in the next uh, couple of weeks after the season's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have one more week to go. And I say, let's go ahead and break it down. We got uh, <laughs> so we got a Saturday twofer, um, and then we we go into uh, a Sunday full jam packed slate of games. So we'll get things rolling chronologically. We'll start things out: Chiefs, Broncos. Chiefs ten point favorites on the road in this one. The Broncos just kind of a mess at this point, and that'll be kind of a recurring theme for a lot of this show. A lot of these teams kind of playing out the string here. As we wind down the, the season, you know, the, the Drew Locke experiment doesn't seem to be going particularly well. The Broncos uh, remain that that quarterback away from, from truly being competitive. 
don't know what what the status is for Vic Fangio heading into next season, things like that. But when you're breaking this game down from a fantasy angle, Mario, what what are you looking for specifically? Well, the Broncos are shorthanded, maybe in a couple really important ways. Obviously, the quarterback situation is bad, but they also might be without. Sorry if there was already a prognosis issued declaring Pat Sertan out, but he wasn't practicing as of yesterday. And Kareem Jackson, one of the two safeties, I'm pretty sure he's doing a pretty good job the past couple of years. He's out. So the Broncos defense we normally think of as at the very least good against the pass and especially like the underneath intermediate. You can't really seem to get anything going there. And the few times they've gotten beat this year. I feel like it's been almost a couple months since the last time I really remember that happening, but it was downfield, like running past the safeties, getting getting so far down the field, you get past that that padded deep coverage, which is not that easy to do, especially if there's a decent pass rush that day. So um, with that said, if if Pastor Tan is out and Kareem Jackson out, um, probably getting a downgrade at one of the two safety spots, that's half of their you know reason for strength in the first place, just being eliminated from the equation. So I happen to think that the Chiefs offense is basically not fixed. I think they have too many useless reps on the field for that to change, at least unless their strategy changes in a really pronounced way in response to the way the defenses are approaching them. They need different players than the ones that they have to break that stalemate, in my opinion. But if Pats or Tan is out, especially the Denver Broncos secondary might not be itself. And it might just be a, a case where their talent is so lacking at that point that even this kind of, imperfect version of the chiefs can still light them up so uh but yeah it's I, it feels like a lot of points for the chiefs but i guess the way it'll work uh for them to cover that is is drew lock scoring points for the chiefs defense uh which totally possible totally on the table here yeah it, it always is when he's back behind center we we know that and, and you know this is a game that you know that the broncos are checking in at seven and nine so that they are, are pretty much eliminated, but the Chiefs uh, obviously do have that one seed in play, and that, that's all the more important this season. Not that we expect the Titans to, to lose that game to the Texans, but the Texans could, can be a little bit feisty Titans, here and there. Didn't they already lose to the Titans? They lost to the Jets. So yeah, they, they can lose to some bad teams. They can beat some great teams. I mean, they, they, they can have a tiebreaker over teams, the Chiefs. Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, the, the the Chiefs, I expect to, to show up and, and uh, do pretty much what they want, even though they voluntarily played Demarcus Robinson 50 snaps a game. Just a, an ongoing thing to just basically torment you over over the years. It hey, it's like. tormenting themselves now. I'm glad that they're finally – well, they won't put it together until it's too late. They won't learn the lesson. But you can't play bad players on purpose. You can't. It's, it's really not a great idea, I've, I've come to learn. Um, but – if you're looking at, at this one, say you're playing the, the Saturday slate for DFS. I know that there, there aren't too, too many uh, regular, se- or regular season-long redraft leagues still playing out the string that, this week. Um, any kind of like value guys that you could see from either side of this one that you'd be interested in? Well, I don't think he's very good, but Daryl Williams should have a big game. Like, Edward Slayer is just out, right? So um, I think he's been considered week to week with that collarbone. I can't imagine that he's collarbone. ready to go. Yeah, he's toast. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Daryl Williams, I don't think he's very good, but in an NFL game or, you know, pretty much any football game, if one side is winning by double digit points and there's any particular lead runner, like clear lead runner, then that player almost categorically is in a really good position. If only for the field positioning and the touchdowns that they can get. And to be fair to Daryl Williams, 
I, I mean, I think he's kind of a crap running back, but he is a good fullback and, and specifically the pass catching he, he is legitimately good at. So yes. um, you could see him having a big game, uh, even if the, the Chiefs passing game kind of goes, even if Kelsey and Hill both have big games. It's hard to imagine that no running back does anything for the Chiefs in that case. On the Denver side, I don't know. Like Albert Equegbenum's fast. He can score from long range. Fant, I guess, can too. But uh, I don't know what you do with an offense like that where it's just, you know, you project them to trail the whole game but not be able to pass at all. Right, ex- exactly. So it's it's going to be a, a tricky one when, when it comes to the Broncos. And again, it all kind of starts with the quarterback and, and they're, they're a good run game, run team, but both their running backs are, are banged up. Both of them uh, listed on the injury report at, as of uh, this recording. Uh, let's get on over to our next Saturday game. And again, knocking off the rust here. Sorry, folks. This podcast, of course, presented by our friends over at WinBet. Had to throw that out there. But let's get on over to the NFC East. Cowboys, Eagles. Uh, this game sets up with the Cowboys six and a half point favorites on the road. The Cowboys really flexed their muscles a couple of weeks ago against the Washington football team on that Sunday nighter. One of the most lopsided NFL games I think I have ever seen. Uh, just legitimately disorienting hearing that one on, on the radio. Like, But I was getting home and all of a sudden the Cowboys were up like 21 to zero and it, I wasn't even out that long and then last week of course it didn't go so well against the Cardinals so both of these teams have a, have a lot to play for in this particular setup um, the Eagles obviously in a playoff position right now 11 and 5 so they're they're looking good they haven't clinched uh, just yet I don't believe um, or maybe they've clinched the playoffs but their seeding yeah. uh, is undetermined at this point so they still have a lot to play for and they're playing at home last time these two squared off it was that Monday night game really early in the season. The Eagles looked pretty out of sorts. Um, I think it was a week or two removed from their, their game against Atlanta where they looked good, but that said a little bit more about Atlanta than it did the Eagles. But the Eagles have, have really kind of found their groove. I'd say basically since uh, that Lions game, they, they kind of got right in that one and, and have been a, a legitimate team uh, since then. Do you think they're able to defend home field in this one against the Cowboys? Well, Dallas's offense – I, I don't know if it's as bad as it looked in the, the Cardinals game and the whatever five, six games preceding the Washington game where they otherwise did very well. Obviously, I think we can give enough credit to the Arizona defense and specifically point out that uh, even though they had backup corners outside, which is infuriating to me that Dallas didn't have a better game with that being the fact uh, all that the Cardinals really did to stop the uh, the Dallas offense or you know the the amount that I watched that I was able to see anyway uh they were just kind of dropping their corners way back into deep zone coverage right off the snap and they'd they'd shore up the underneath where they're giving up a cushion otherwise by having their linebackers all those linebackers safeties in the middle field they all you know stand up close to the line of scrimmage act like they're going to pass rush at the snap they don't rush or they might but they they might not they might drop back and and kind of just do these uh zone coverages in the flats and the underneath and Dak Prescott would drop back and Dallas was kind of going for these downfield shots where, um, you know, Dak's got to set up on seven steps or at least five Chandler Jones wrecked a few of those himself. And then even when they weren't dropping so far back, it's like these, these, uh, zone coverages, these, these disguised coverages would just drift into the parts of the field where Dak was waiting for these routes to break downfield. And Dallas didn't have any basic zone beaters. Like they should have, there are certain ways that you can make a defense pay for doing that. Like I was thinking, you know, screen passes to the running back or something. If they want to 
send five, you know, you know, just like just banshee pass rushers every play and send everybody else into deep deep zone coverage, then call some screens underneath. Let the rushers run themselves out of the play. Let those zone coverage guys get so far downfield that all of a sudden they've got 15 yards in between themselves and, you know, two or three blockers and the running back Pollard Zeke didn't really matter. I think that would have worked. So it, it it's like on one hand, kind of a solace that I can imagine Dallas having done well in that situation. But then at the same time, they didn't do it. They didn't come up with this idea. I don't know if they ever will have, you know, like if there's if there's a certain insight that's necessary, I have no real reason to believe Dallas will have it occur to them. Whereas I, I think the Eagles, you'd sooner say, are kind of overachieving uh, coaching wise. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's just Sirianni. It, it could be, you know, I made fun of him, but uh, he's he hasn't done as bad of a job as a lot of other coaches. I'm, I'm personally suspicious that maybe the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator are pretty good. But even so. I expect them to play better than their talent level in Dallas. I always expect to play less than their talent level with the exception of the defense. So as we remember for the first time, Jalen hurts got lit up in that one. It was super ugly. It was not competitive. And then they kind of garbage timed, you know, running their way back late in the game. But uh, that was the game where Miles Sanders had like one carry in the first half. And that was their only running back carry. Um, I expect the Dallas defense to be real. I think their issues with coaching more have to do on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, yeah, I, I think Hertz is that guy. I don't think he's the kind of passer who can do well against a good NFL defense when exposed to it. So if the Eagles are going to win, I think they need to run like hell and try not to throw the ball, basically. Like anytime they throw it, they should endeavor to make it play action, uh, ideally like a second and five kind of thing uh, when they do. Um, because, yeah, I think if they need to throw the ball 25 plus times, I don't think I don't think I like the Eagles any better than like 40 percent chance to win or something. Right. Yeah. That, that tends to be uh, not the, the winning recipe for Philadelphia. You know, it's, it's all about playing defense, uh, some ball control and, and, and running it, uh, you know, getting hurts in those comfortable situations. So if you're picking a quarterback from the, the four available on the Saturday slate, who would you be rolling with? Uh, I mean, if there's no price element, I'd say Mahomes. But given the price, I'd probably say Dak. But okay. The answer could be Hurts for all I know, because if he can have a bad game passing and still run for a lot. Uh, but yeah, and that's that's something to keep an eye on, I guess, is uh, the Dallas COVID situation, because Parsons had it. He tested positive like a day or two ago or something. So <laughs> if, if they're losing a bunch of their guys, then all bets are off. And if, if Hurts is running against like a backup defense, maybe Hurts actually, because he's presumably a decent amount cheaper than Dak, or I would assume so anyway. Yeah, but I believe that that is the case. So so keep an eye there um, because yeah, a shorthanded Dallas defense certainly changes the calculus in that one. Let's get on over to Sunday. Packers got things clinched up, cinched up on Sunday night. They're going into Detroit to, to face the Lions. Lions, four-point dogs at home. Obviously, that, that spread, you, you'd expect it to be much bigger if the Packers didn't uh, had something to play for at this point. But I think that, that spread implies that, that the Packers – um, aren't really going to be str- uh, trotting out their stars for much of this one. Yeah, this is uh, finally the time to to bring out the Jordan Love, Amari Rogers lineups. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it's like you would expect this to be kind of like a Lazard, uh, maybe Marcus Valdez, Scantling, and then Amari Rogers kind of game, or, or I'd hope so anyway, because if they're still giving, giving snaps to uh, Winfrey and um, – St. Brown might be okay, I guess. The Green Bay one, of course. The Denver, or the, sorry, the Detroit one is obviously good. Um, mm-hmm. Different kind of player, but very good. But in any case, uh, yeah, Dylan, uh, Mari Rogers, DeGuara. I think all those guys can produce 
even as backups against this Detroit defense, even with Jordan Love at quarterback, if he's in there. So um, maybe I'm too optimistic about that. But if, I just think like Green Bay's backups project fine against Detroit's starting defense. Uh, just kind Do of they project well enough to cover that spread? Um, maybe not. Like that's that's you know it it could be a close game. You would expect the Green Bay offense to lose quite a bit, even if they are something other than bad uh, in this setting. Whereas, uh, I mean, who knows what to make of the Detroit offense? I guess aside from St. Brown, uh, I don't know what that Swift deal was last week. I don't know if that's Campbell. I don't, I don't like I, I like Dan Campbell. I'm not saying he sucks for this, but that was kind of a stupid thing to me because it's like if he's if he's too fragile to put on the field, then just put him on the shelf for next year. Just just stop pretending this matters it doesn't matter just leave him on the shelf but they had to kind of do this thing where oh he's playing but uh sometimes you, you these coaches have a dumb uh like you can't make the club in the tub kind of thing they, like they're really uh insistent on this culture of playing hurt and you know not telling anyone when you are hurt and uh always assuming you're gonna play if you're hurt things like that and i don't know if it was like well swift if you want more than four carries you gotta give us a full practice this week then you know i'm I'm doing this to set an example to the rest of the team or something. If, I guess if Dan Campbell was doing that, that's like a reason. I still think it's stupid, but it, it, it makes more sense than any other thing. Um, if Swift practices this week, maybe they use him more. I don't know. Uh, it, it's annoying that they also might be doing like the halfway thing, like limiting his workload to limit his exposure to injury, but also putting him out there to get hurt just in case. Uh, <laughs> so stupid. But um, if they give it to, to Jamal Williams, fine if if he's jamal williams against the packers backups maybe he can look decent in a game like that but uh yeah jamal williams is so bad i'm so sick of this <laughs> speaking of making things in tubs i did watch fight club last night for the first time in like a decade still, uh, still good what did they was that bomb i think they, they weren't they like making soap and then yeah i think okay then, yeah i didn't remember the tub detail i, I remember the ending it's, i haven't watched that in like 20 years shout out to the pixies uh one of the best uh, absolutely oh my gosh um but let's let's circle back here you guys i I think might have touched on it a little bit last week because uh, you and alan were talking on on some dynasty and and looking ahead to to next year you know what's the the current pulse in your in your mind when it comes to um amon ross st brown as it pertains to next season because obviously so much of, of his late season breakout has had to do um, but with the the absence of TJ Hawkinson and the lack of of any real other weapons, but I think you could also argue, and, and that that's going to be a, a talking point for anyone that that's trying to fade St. Brown for next year. But I think at the same time, you look at his prospect profile. You know, no, nothing totally stands out as far as the athleticism, but that that was a guy that was the best player or best receiver at the very least on USC from the time he was a true freshman. So I, I believe that like the talent and just sheer like kind of craft is there with St. Brown. Yeah. So I was a little concerned about him coming into this year because the quarterback play is really bad there. We had reason to believe Swift and Hawkinson would, would take up a certain share of the offense. There was a point when we didn't, (laughs) we were still thinking uh, because we had reason to believe uh, that Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman and uh, the hell. uh, Josh Reynolds. Uh, well, I was thinking like tr- for some reason they were trying to run out like Trinity Benson and stuff like it, di- it didn't seem like they had any idea what they were doing with their receivers. And uh, we have to figure out, you know, not just who these players are, but what the teams, the coaches are liable to do with them. And that's always a very different question of like what could happen here, because if we're talking about what could happen, 
Um, I think both of us always liked St. Brown. I mean, I, I was projecting him as a high second round pick before his pro day. And then he ran the four, six. And even at that point, as much as that's not what you want to see. And as much as that kind of makes it hard for him to be an outside receiver, even in that case, we always had reason to believe, well, still, if he gets slot snaps, it's fine. It's not going to matter mm-hmm. that he's quote too slow or not very big and the slot, it's going to work. And as far as playing wide receiver goes, he's, almost indisputably good the question is does he not have good enough athletic tools for it to matter will he get to the league know all the right answers and just not be able to put it to use because he's too slow or too small or whatever uh in the slot that never applied so once the Lions demonstrated their commitment to him by giving him that role pretty much the only concern for me at that point was like well what about this quarterback now like what what is a slot receiver in any particular offense going to be able to do in an offense with a baseline of like 58 percent completed at 6.3 yards per pass it's just kind of hard to work with that when you're not a guy who gets touchdowns basically, but St. Brown, I think has turned out to be so good that it doesn't matter. I mean, if you can produce with Tim Boyle at quarterback, uh, it doesn't matter if you add, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey to that offense in the off season, like a player who can do that will get the ball. And it's exactly what happened at USC where he was better player than Michael Pittman. And the physical tools are better in Pittman's case, which is why he was picked higher, but we're seeing, I think we've seen anyway that if you give St. Brown the slot role, it doesn't matter that he has lesser tools than other players. It only matters if he has to play outside, which he doesn't. So it's a moot point. This might, I might be way off in terms of projecting ADP going into next year, but St. Brown or Tyler Boyd? Yeah, so it's tough because St. Brown's doing great and he is good, but there's also the risk that he's a little overpriced. I guess um, in PPR you don't really sweat it too much. Like he's, he's going to get the catches. I think it's just, if he has a bad 2022 season relative to expectations, it might be because he averaged like eight and a half yards a catch and only had three or four touchdowns again. Um, but yeah, I think if, if he's going, if he's going in like the higher than the sixth round or something, I guess that's where I get kind of scared. Not because I feel confident in fading him because the player I love, it's the situation that I get worried about, but right it's it's kind of hard for me to argue against it because he's putting up uh what like top 15 receiver numbers in PPR with Tim Boyle as his quarterback it's like he, he can't fail at that point he's been an absolute best ball savior uh late, late in the season you know because you were probably able to get him with like your last pick second to last he was going pick. pretty expensive actually like he, he was going in like the the 13th or the like not that much later than like Rondale Moore or something. It looked, it looked until those, so you like, you had to make the playoffs and then he was awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might've been a little bit of a, you know, if you had, if you had like Cooper cup and a quarter or something like that, then your team was unstoppable when you made the playoffs almost because of St. Brown, even if he didn't really do a whole lot before then. Right. Exactly. So um, yeah. What if you, if you did make that, that cutoff point that then uh, St. Brown certainly delivered for you late, uh, viewer Rodney Mosley wants to know week 18 running back Zeke and uh, Gibson, uh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, I'm guessing Javante Williams, Chuba Hubbard. He needs three of these uh, league goes every single week and, and uh, total points is accounted for as, as the uh, winning element here. So John, we would say Zeke and Gibson, right? And then um I'm not picking Hubbard, so I guess I gotta pick one of the Broncos running backs, which is impossible. Um, yeah. I guess I'd go Javante in the last one just because uh I don't know. I mean if he plays, I if he plays, I go Javante in addition to Zeke and Gibson. 
Exactly. So, so maybe the, the injury report will, will kind of make your decision for you, but, but yeah, I would, I would look at, at one of those two Denver options as, as the number three um, in that grouping. Cause yeah, Chuba Hubbard uh, cannot really trust it. Can't really trust anything going on in Carolina right now. It is uh, an abject is it's really bad. You know, they're, they're lucky that the Jaguars exist basically is, is what I'm trying to say there. All right, let's keep on moving here. Next game up. We got Colts, Jags, Colts, 15-point favorites in this one. Uh, I want the Jags to win so bad, but it's just completely impossible. It would have been just so funny to see the the playoff havoc that, that would result from that. Um, anyway, yeah, J- Jags still don't have an NFL offense, so the, the Colts will probably, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't, maybe 16 is too many points, but it's it's hard to say no exactly. Right. It, it, you know, the, the, the Jags have proven to be an annoying team on occasion when uh, that they, they, they are, you know, get, uh, getting a huge number. Uh, but other times they, they look completely incapable of doing anything. And therefore that even laying 20 points seems OK against them. Yeah, I was getting um, so mad about Carson Wentz earlier this morning. He, he's num- his numbers are going to trick people into thinking he did well because he had like 26 touchdowns to seven interceptions or whatever. He's so bad. He's so bad. I hate it so much. Um, uh, anyway, I'm I'm mad at myself for like uh, I had like a month where I was like, was I wrong about Carson Wentz? Got to well, stick to my. It's reasonable. To my Asking the question is not unreasonable. You know, you have to you have to ask yourself whether you're wrong all the time just to make sure you're not missing something. But yeah, the, if there's anybody, if there's going to be a media campaign about how like we got to get Carson Wentz more help, I'm going to absolutely lose my mind. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, so just, bad. Oh my yeah, God. He did, he's like you can you can be a winning team with him, but he's not the reason why you're winning. Basically, yeah, you need a Jonathan Taylor to be a winning team with him and uh, MV MV. The people who are smart enough to know the way MVP really works might have a problem with that statement, but uh, who cares? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Um, oh, exactly. I know what you're saying there. Um, let's get on over. Uh, we got football team going up against the giants in this one, the giants seven point dogs at home. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. uh, Charles McDonald said this, but not, I wasn't the one who said this first, but, uh, Joe judge is so funny and, and just lame because he's the kind of tough guy who, uh, exudes also, despite being, you know, hard ass, tough guy all the time, he also exudes at all times the fact that he is actually deeply terrified and has does not believe in himself, which makes for a very treacherous kind of person, you know? Um, it, it's it's like he's a. Well, anyway, I, I, I was going to come up, come up with a very obscure reference, but that would just confuse it, everybody and uh, alienate the podcast, even podcast <laughs> listeners, even more. So I'll just say, um, Ron Rivera is maybe not a great coach. Like, I don't think he's a good coach, but players always play hard for him. And he's not like a, he's not like a fundamentally loathsome person. So I think Washington will, is, is going to show up to play. I don't know if the giants will, maybe they will, but even if the giants show up to play, I don't think they can really do anything with a team like this. And I, I also think Washington could just kind of stomp them. Well, and, and, you know, you look at the, the quarterback situation in New York, it wasn't great with Daniel Jones there. And, and now they're, they're rolling out Jake from always Chicago was so oh. great. They're just clearly trying to click simulate end of game, you know, please, like, please. 
get this over with. Um, at this point, though, it you know, with Fromm being out there expectedly, um, can you feel good about starting Saquon Barkley this week? Just because the the Washington just like won't have to worry about the pass at all. Yeah, I don't know. Saquon's so hard to think through because he's just on one of the worst teams possible for for a guy like himself. You know, it's like he's got all this theoretical talent, all this big playability. And it's so much of what could make him a good player is moot on a team like this one. And you can't really say that he stands no chance because he he only needs that gap in the defense. You know, he can run through it if it ever happens, but it hasn't really happened this year. And last week's game only really worked and in a lot of ways turned out to be a best case scenario for this year because the Giants were trying to run out the clock and end the game rather than actually compete. They had like. Mike Lennon had like as many sacks as dropbacks at one point in that game. In addition to being like two of whatever, four for two yards and an interception. And the, 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 the giants gave him and Devonte Booker a ton of carries. Cause they were like, let's just uh, Joe judge already got told he's, he's not getting fired. So he doesn't care. Just end the game. Get out of here. Joe, Joe's doing fine. Uh, you all can do whatever. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I think, yourselves. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think, you know, Barkley's still a good player, but I, I'm pretty skeptical that there's much he can control about his situation. Exactly. That That is always like the, you know, the, the important overarching detail when it comes to the, these running backs, obviously Saquon's so talented, but the team context around him uh, is really, really just, it's something that just kind of saps um, all the upside that, that he has theoretically. Um, before we get on over to our next game, we got a message from our, Sponsors over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Moving on over, we got Bears, Vikings, Vikings, four-point favorites in this one at home. Your thoughts? Um, sorry, which game was this? This is Bears, Vikings Bears, in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what to make of the Zimmer stuff. Uh, you know, like him being fired makes a lot of sense. But I can't tell what the team is going to do or like what they consider in their best interests or whatever. So if they went out there and played hard and treated it like a playoff game, that wouldn't be terribly shocking to me, even though it's they're obviously not in the playoff hunt. Uh, also wouldn't be that shocking if Zimmer's kind of checked out and so is the team. I don't, I don't know how to anticipate all that. The Bears have been showing up and playing the way they have amidst hopelessness all year, and yet they they have a certain nature that that we can probably expect from them. Um, yeah, if if we have to think about uh, Viking starters versus Bears starters, Vikings role. Um, if, if there's weird secondary details affecting things, I guess that's how it gets more complicated. But I really don't know how to how to see that ahead of time. Yeah, I, I, I like the way this sets up for Minnesota. Again, you know, with, with them kind of playing out the string here, getting eliminated from the from the playoff contention last weekend and, and you know, having to deal with 60 minutes of Sean Mannion, uh, you know, how much zest are they going to be bringing to the field on Sunday? But They I, might I play think- hard for Zimmer, too. I don't want to, like, Zimmer's, he seems like he's not the easiest guy to play for, but he's never, he's, he's been around a long time, Dallas and Cincinnati, never heard anything about the players anything but liking him so they they might play pretty hard even though it's a meaningless game that's a good point so keep an eye there but yeah i think uh, i'm siding with the vikings in that one as well let's get on over titans texans we alluded to this one earlier in the show uh titans 10 point favorites in this one so uh your thoughts here anything uh from a fantasy perspective to to keep an eye for in particular um, I mean, it seems it seems like in games where the, the Titans have the field position and uh, time of possession, overall script advantage, Deontay Foreman, and, and if they turn that advantage into a win, uh, Deontay Foreman seems like he's pretty reliable once he gets past that like 12 carry mark, like not to rule out him having a big play before then. But he seems to start out pretty sluggishly a lot of the times. And then if he can wear down the defense by getting close to 20 carries, he he tends to push for that 100 yards. And, um, yeah, I see no reason why he shouldn't do it here. The, the way it wouldn't happen, I guess, is if Hilliard and McNichols get in the way somehow or, or if the Houston defense somehow just shows up and plays the run really, really well. I'm, I, I don't expect the, te- uh, the Texans to show up flat or anything. If anything, it seems like because they're a replacements roster – it's like they play hard because it's their jobs, you know. It's like they they're trying to get signed next year, even though they don't respect the coach that they're playing for. So the Texans aren't just going to lay down. And and if Tennessee needs to run as much as they tend to need to run, I'm kind of skeptical about the 11 points. But and not to take all credit away from Davis Mills, but I don't think he's good. Um, I think he's like a he's doing a good job. He's he's, he's, he's better than bad. I'll say that. Yeah, he's better than bad, and he's he's done a really good job that's that's like a that's for the circumstances though not like in general like i don't mm-hmm. think he's i don't think he's at a point where we say he's going to do well against this good defense uh that happened against the patriots obviously but even that game was kind of just like 
tossed up some bombs on like 25 attempts and a few of them landed. And if, if even drew lock had a, a couple of huge games, his rookie year, you know? Um, so going into a broader sample of exposure playing against the Tennessee defense that won't give them, it's not going to give them any, uh, you know, second and threes, second and fours. Like that's not going to happen. Uh, they're not going to let them run. So Davis mills is going to have to throw the ball. I don't know if Fulton's going to get uh, Christian Fulton. I don't know if he's he's the kind of guy to stop Cooks. Probably not. Cooks doesn't get stopped by that many players. But um, I don't really expect the broader Texans offense to do anything. Like, I don't see anybody but Cooks playing well here. And sometimes even when Cooks plays well, the rest of the team lets him down. So that all seems more likely to me than the Texans making a game of it. Yeah, it's been... Uh, frustrating to see a, a good Brandon Cook season kind of frittered away down down how, for yeah how dispiriting team. it is that he he should have been in the, this Houston team and seen the way they were doing the fire sale and he should have been like yeah let me out too let me out yeah. he's been traded so many times he was like just leave me on the crap team I just don't want to move <laughs> yeah moving does suck so like you know there, yeah, I'd rather play for the Texans it. than move he said <laughs> and you know what folks you got to respect that um, before we get on over to our next game, and, and one last detail here, uh, looking ahead a little bit for the Titans, say that they do lock up that number one seed. Where are you with them in the AFC playoff picture, provided that Derrick Henry comes back? Uh, it's not as insane as the Cam Akers thing, but it's still pretty insane to me. And I really like Derrick Henry. I, I hope that they don't do something that puts him at long-term risk. And I'm, I'm kind of worried that they are. I, I don't think he's replaceable. I don't think that, you know, De- Deontay Foreman having a couple good games and the Titans having a good roster still, that doesn't show that they don't need Henry. That's, that's not the case at all. You'll, they will not replace Henry and they are weaker without him. Uh, but yeah, if they put him back out there on one and a half feet and he just like breaks some other part of it or something, I'm, I'm going to be livid. Um, yeah. So hoping for the best there, but I'm, I'm not really expecting the best the one thing about the titans i'll say otherwise is their defense is a lot better than i expected it to be this year particularly against the run but not just against the run they're better against the pass too than they than i thought they'd be like christian fulton turning into a really good corner has has meant a lot to them uh it's basically bailed them out for cutting a dory jackson so they have a decent pass defense a really good run defense they have a couple wreckers you know jeffrey simmons is he's, he's not exactly he's a beast He's not like on the Chris Jones level, at least not yet, but he is one of those guys who he is capable of having games where he kind of just negates three or four of your drives as an offense. So a guy like that in the playoffs is really different, uh, really dangerous, you know, small sample size. A guy like that can just take over a setting. So um, as long as their defense is good and as long as A.J. Brown is getting them first downs and then touchdowns, that might be enough, at least, you know, in a series of one and oh scenarios where, where you only have to win one game and you can, uh, where luck matters more basically than in the regular season, they seem pretty dangerous. And I know Vrabel I've been critical of in the past, but uh, if he just had somebody else manage his personnel for him, uh, h- handle his free agent signings, his drafts for him, he would be a much better version of himself. Cause he, he seems to really come up with not, not just, it, it seems like he does a good job of not just keeping the team motivated and focused. It seems like he comes up with uh just really good, like amb, like one-off ambush tactics. Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't have like systemic details that you attribute to like his football philosophy or something. It's just like there's a series of anecdotes where it's like he came up with this good idea that the other team didn't expect. So 
he's a dangerous coach in the playoffs too in addition to the you know their overall nature making them dangerous there yeah and he he knows how to do uh, did he had like the great clock manipulation a, a couple of years ago like he, the, he's got like these kevin byard uh fake punt plays that show up every once in a while that that are always awesome uh yeah so sometimes he, derrick henry will throw a touchdown and break your heart and you know all sorts of good stuff yeah, so he's, I mean, he's 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 wily as hell, and they play hard, so that makes them dangerous as long as they have A.J. Brown. If they don't have Brown, then they suck again. Yes, that that, that is, uh, is uh, something that you cannot argue. Before we get on over to our next game, got a message from our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, WinBet the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in seven states. I remember Back in the day when it was just six states, seven states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Also got a message from our friends over at HOFR. This episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by HOFR, Daily Fantasy Sports Redefined. No confusing salary caps, no annoying player drafts, just simple, multiple-choice questions on the stats you know and the players you love. That's right. The majority of HOFR contests focus on single sporting events and only feature questions about popular players and recognizable stats, allowing users to make their picks confidently and quickly. Plus, you never play against the house. Uh, against the house or versus those fantasy sharks. The playing field is a level for even the most amateur user to find him or herself landing in the money. Unlike other those other apps where an incorrect answer can end your night on HOFR, incorrect answers never eliminate you from the competition. I played the other night and the questions were as simple as how many touchdowns will Tom Brady throw and which player will have the most rushing yards. So make your NFL Sunday picks with confidence and ease on HOFR. So do not wait around for another second. Download HOFR. That's HOFR from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store right now. HOFR. It's everything the fantasy sports world has been waiting for. All right, Mario, keeping things rolling here. We got a bunch of games to get to before we sign off. Ravens, Steelers. Ravens, five and a half point favorites in this one. Looks like it's going to be the Tyler Huntley show. Again, for, from from what I understand, and that this will be, you know, the Ravens that they are playing at home. They have a slim, slim chance of of postseason hope. They need some crazy stuff to happen. I think they need uh, some help from the Jaguars. So, uh, not really holding my breath there. But uh, what are your expectations on this game, and and also what could be Ben Roethlisberger's final game as a Steeler? The Steelers need that Jacksonville win too, right? So is that both of them would need Jacksonville to win to have a chance? 
boy, that's a tough. It doesn't matter. I just didn't know if it was like there was a if if they've been talking about this a lot and every everybody memorized the answers already. Um, Anyway, this is going to be a very hard fought game. Uh, I'm trying to look at the chronology of these games. Like there's there's no unfolding of events. Yeah, it's an early game. So okay, so yeah, this is going to be a really hard fought game. Uh, There's probably going to be guys like doing late hits and stuff. Uh, the Ravens, cool. the Ra- yeah, the Ravens, um, you know, John Harbaugh irritates me with the way that he stands by Greg Roman, basically because he's a family friend. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Roman has has moments of insight that impress Harbaugh. But I, I really think that they're just absolutely killing the team and wasting Lamar Jackson's career with that idiot running the offense. Uh, and with that said, as much as I find that to be a really egregious crime, John Harbaugh is second to nobody as far as like getting his team to just show up and play like a bunch of psychos, no matter how badly their season is going. Oh, yeah. they, they were my best bet last week. Like all of the money was on the Rams covering that spread. And it's like, mm, 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 wait, wait, that's body clock game for the Rams. The Ravens <laughs> are going to play them close. Yeah. And they, they play just, you know, kamikaze all the time, no matter how much they're getting embarrassed or how long they've been out of the playoffs. It's just, they, they, they play crazy. So now that they have that plus the incentive to actually show up, like I, I have no doubt that, you know, both of these coaches are going to get both of these teams in a playoff mindset, even though they might both miss the playoffs, no matter who wins this game. So uh, it's going to be fought harder than basically any game this week. I think uh, I don't know what sort of outcome that trends toward. I'm, I'm not so optimistic for the Ravens personally. And I know that the spread is five and a half, six, but it, if a game must be a war of attrition between these two teams, I do worry more about Huntley than Roethlisberger because Roethlisberger's toast, obviously, but he's, he's still smart enough to avoid turnovers. And, you know, it's why he has even going back to last year, like 30 touchdowns to 12 interceptions or whatever, because he doesn't really screw up. Uh, he, he misses opportunities that that's screwing up, I guess to be pedantic, but he doesn't really turn the ball over that much. So Huntley, like he's he's a great backup for the Ravens and he's you know he's played admirably but I don't think he's very good. I think he's he's only a good backup and specifically he cannot throw downfield and nope. I think that uh you know people were watch- I saw Charles Woodson had some quote like you know Tyler Huntley's been a better passer than Lamar Jackson. No. Lamar oh, Jackson man. people need to get off that. It's not yeah. good. And this is a, again Roman is horrible. It is it is really irritating and offensive to me how Greg Roman was able to call all this time an offense that got these short routes, these these like uh, off coverage suicide blitz beating plays where they're throwing these these short drag routes, slants, hooks, whatever to these receivers because Huntley cannot throw downfield. They started calling those plays when they should have looked at Lamar Jackson saying, like, you know, wow, those corners are playing eight, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage every single play, every single play. They just start drifting back. They don't they don't come up and, and respect the cushions. Um they could have just called the plays that they've been calling with Huntley with Lamar and a lot of receivers would have been open who were not this year. And so that worked for one or two games, but then defenses realize, Oh, Huntley can't throw 12 yards. Let's just sit underneath. So now the underneath isn't working. There's no deep game to tap into. Uh, I don't think he's a good enough runner to make up for the difference. I actually think the Ravens offense is going to struggle in this one. So I think the spread is assuming that the Ravens offense won't struggle and that the Steelers offense will, I think they'll both struggle. And if they both must struggle, I trust more the side with Ben Roethlisberger and Najee Harris than the one with Huntley and Devontae Freeman. No offense to the second group. 
Yeah, no, it's a, that's that's totally fair. It's a, it's a ragtag bunch. It's kind of a miracle that the Ravens are are even in this spot. It's been brutal last last month stretch, but um, you know every game for for the most part, other than the the Cincinnati game up up in Cincinnati, has been at least competitive. Um, so. I don't know. We'll see. I'm expecting a close one. I think I think that's probably too many points to be giving. Are you somehow going to this, too? (laughs) Uh, I will be on the road, actually. And (laughs) I think that there is a Steelers fan in my in my group that that also went to Georgia. So I I think we're we're getting an octagon set up at at the Airbnb. Yeah, I was going to say, I can see you doing like the the Will uh, the Will Ferrell helicopter thing. Like (laughs) you're getting picked up at the Georgia Stadium and (laughs) flown to the Northeast. And then I get the most Sizzlack uh, fan man, like, and I'll just like uh, fly, float my way into Indianapolis. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and uh, or, oh, I'll have to float my way into Baltimore and like save Tyler Huntley from getting sacked by TJ Watt and letting Watts. Oh, God, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I hate, hate that family. Uh, anyway <laughs> they're just so extra um all right let's keep rolling sticking in the afc north Bengals, browns browns six point favorites in this one that obviously has everything to do with the Bengals pretty much uh resting on their laurels that this week not expecting burrow to be out there not expecting nixon jamar chase might play a little bit but um it looks like it's going to be you know week four of the preseason or what what used to be week four of the preseason uh for the Bengals. Yeah, I'm just realizing I forgot to to actually answer the question you asked about St. Brown versus Tyler Boyd. I think I would go with Tyler Boyd uh, to okay. go back. Right. There it is. <laughs> but, um, uh, anyway, Cleveland is a mess. Baker Mayfield. I, I was feeling sorry for him the other day because it was. It's been so brutal watching him. I mean, pretty much all year, but lately. You could see kind of like, I think a little bit of a sign of sort of like depression, self-awareness, which Mm -hmm. I don't think Baker Mayfield has experienced in his entire life. You could kind of see it getting into his, his face. Like you could see him sort of realizing like, oh man, it's, it's not going to be okay. I'm not the person that I've consumed my entire, you know, my entire conception of identity around this idea of myself. And it's not true. And you could see him start to understand it. And it's really pitiful and sad when you see someone who's that invested in like their, you know, sense of self in that way, and they, they see it negated and they're on national television for everybody to watch it. That was kind of painful, but Baker Mayfield has uh, regrouped and he's, he's going on the offensive again and saying like, Hey man, I, I'm actually doing a great job. Kevin Stefanski is the problem here. Uh, I can't believe Kevin keeps screwing me over like this. And he's whining to the press every time, every chance he gets like as soon as that Mary Kay Cabot report from whatever a month ago of like some are saying that Kevin Stefanski could do more to free up Baker Mayfield. It's like, wow, who who could have leaked that to the, the writer? <laughs> Baker uh, Mayfield in a mustache and a trench coat. Yeah, it's not he, he's had that look before. Yeah, it's not Odell Beckham's dad who's leaking that to her, you know, and, it's, and there's no one else who believes in him other than himself. So obviously it was him. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's like going on the war path again about how like St- Stefanski let me down. And it's like, all right, well, if now I don't feel sorry for him anymore, he's, he's kind of just being a giant baby. Uh, but in any case, uh, it looks like Baker's alienation with Stefanski is going to save them from giving him a contract extension that they would have deeply regretted. Uh, I don't know, next October. Uh, so that it looks like he's on the way out and I don't know in the meantime, what their internal situation is it's like, 
apparently Mayfield's going to play in this game, but even that is going to be a weird, awkward affair. Oh, I uh, thought he was getting surgery. I thought. Oh, was, my bad. I Sorry. No, I'm stupid. No, that makes more Keenum. sense. So, yeah, he's he's just out. Um, I don't know. Keenum against the backup Bengals. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. But generally, I guess we're expecting the run game to sort of just uh, do whatever they want, even if it's Dearness Johnson doing it. Yeah, I would just mostly recommend not betting this game. That that's that's my professional advice here. I think that there's just too many unknowns the, on both sides. Watch the Browns throw for like 400 yards with, with Keenum <laughs> and then Baker. Anthony Schwartz season. Let's let's get it going. Um, let's see here. Uh, before we get on over to our next game, which will be Panthers Bucks. We got another message from our friends over at Skybox Sports. Skybox Sports Network is your hardcore source for odds and sports tickers. Skybox Sports has been creating an entertaining and relevant products for restaurants, sports bars, casinos, racing sports books, arenas, and stadiums for years. Now you can bring a little bit of Vegas into your own fan cave. Skybox's low-cost and state-of-the-art Wi-Fi platform is a simple and affordable plug-and-play and activate format. Skybox Sports tickers bring you live odds, propositions, fantasy scores, hires, buyers, trades, breaking news, recaps, and in-depth coverage for the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, NASCAR, UFC, specialty events, and more. Visit skyboxsportsnetwork.com. That's skyboxsportsnetwork.com. And use promo code ROTOWIRE for a 5% discount off your order. All right, moving on. NFC South. We got Panthers, Bucks, Bucks, seven and a half point favorites. Mario, we were talking a little bit before the show. Uh, there, there's some things going on in Tampa. Would you care to share with the class? Um, Antonio Brown, something obviously happened with him and the Buccaneers last Sunday. Uh, pre- pretty, pretty cool, in my opinion. I thought it was great. Uh, of, I, of all I of his antics, I think getting shirtless and, and quit, rage quitting mid game, I think it is might be the best one. Yeah, it was. I really appreciate the whole, just the whole fact of the situation, including how when it all came up and when people like see the tweet come across, like uh, Antonio Brown took off his shirt and left, said he quits, and like I read that and I was just like, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> sure, yeah, I'm not. That's not that weird. Um, so yeah, that's that's awesome in my opinion. It's it's a great bit, and it kind of seems like he didn't want to play, and he got mad at the team pressuring him to play. And the team, uh, Arian specifically wanted him to go out and like Brown was claiming they were injecting him with this, uh, like experimental painkiller that the players union said players are not to be taking. I don't know about any of that, but Arian said for some reason, him in the GM this morning just said like, uh, we didn't know he was hurt. So that's a strange position to take after you just had him on the injury report for six weeks. And now they got these text messages about him saying to Arians, like, I'm hurt, coach. I don't know if I can play. And him being like, okay, well, still show up. And now they're trying to say, like, oh, we didn't – I didn't read that. I did. That was my intern who uh, texted back to AB. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, the Buccaneers are toast, folks. They're going to make into the playoffs, obviously, and can't quite truly count them out. But Tom Brady looked a lot – worse when he was in new england with jacoby myers as his best receiver uh going from antonio brown chris godwin mike evans and rob gronkowski to just the latter two i think is enough to make them just about toast and uh you know to relative to like the top five ambitions that they had they'll rake in this game obviously because the the panthers are 
just a, an incredible joke of an organization, but uh, could be sluggish. Might need both Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn to go over 10, 12 carries in this one. Uh, but yeah, it's it's got to be a mess inside that that organization right now. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's um, very volatile. Um, and I think that there's still probably more to come out from, from this Antonio Brown story and, and how that affects them. Uh, right before the postseason, it uh, will will certainly be be pretty fascinating. Uh, let's keep on rolling here. We got a few more games to hit before we sign off. We got Pats, Dolphins, Dolphins six and a half point dogs at home. Dolphins got a little bit exposed a week ago after after their impressive asterisk uh, win streak. Yeah, uh, they're not very good. Uh, they're they're the kind of team that can eat up a bad team, even though they are bad themselves. Uh, them being actually bad comes comes to bite them a little bit uh, last week, obviously, and, and this week, too. Uh, I, I basically think the, the Patriots defense plus the Harris-Stevenson run game covers that pretty easily. Yeah, I could I could see that as well. Yeah, they'll just they'll just uh, get pound on the ground, uh, get it done that way. Da- Damian Harris has been awesome down the stretch from Rondé Stevenson, proven to be a good player for his own right as well. Saints. Falcons, Falcons, four and a half point dogs at home. Uh, Falcons managed to cover the spread, a gigantic spread, but they covered nonetheless a week ago in Buffalo. And uh, they, they kind of got a little bit jobbed on, the, on that Matt Ryan touchdown. It wasn't a touchdown and some taunting uh, happened. Uh, I think I mostly watched that game because that was the local game down here in Atlanta, but otherwise wouldn't have tuned in too, too much. But anywho, your thoughts on this one going up against the Saints. Yeah, the the Falcons have no talent, but you can tell from the record that they're reasonably well coached. I, I think Arthur Smith is doing a good job, and he's if he gets a better roster, he'll be one of those one of those guys that you just kind of always worry about playing and especially covering against. So um, I don't know. I I don't see much reason to think that the Saints just roll here. Uh, Matt Ryan has had a really bad year, but it's not because he's playing poorly. It's just the offensive line sucks. But mm-hmm. bad offensive line is not good when you go against a Cam Hayward guy. Like he's uh, Cam Hayward, uh, Cameron Jordan. Uh, he's definitely in that class of interior linemen pretty close. Like he used to be Jeff Simmons, basically. Like he, and he's still really good, even though he's lost a little bit. So um, Saints might just wreck them in the trenches, but. The, the Falcons have been showing up and playing hard all year and they, they have bad players, but they never look quite as bad as they should. Yeah. And I believe uh, the Falcons, one of the more surprising results of the season went into new Orleans as like 10 point dogs and one earlier this season. Am I right yeah. They could win this game too. I mean, I, I would not, not that I want to bet on the Falcons either, but I don't want to bet on the saints. Yeah. I'm not comfortable doing that either uh, on the road uh, to add a detail there. All right. Next we got bills, jets, Bills 16-point favorites in this one. The the Jets showed a little bit of something last week. Maybe that had more to do with the sideshow going on on the Tampa Bay sideline, but it's close. It's a close game. Uh, but how uh, do the Bills cover such a large number? Um, let's see. The Bills, do they have seeding to still play for in this game? I can't tell. They're already they're at four seed. Um, I think that they they gotta they gotta win um, because that they have the same record as the Patriots. oh the Patriots can catch them yeah so uh, yeah uh, Bills cover yeah exactly yeah so is there anything to play for yes then yes the Bills absolutely smoke the Jets I see that happening as well all right got a good one coming up here 49ers Rams Rams four point favorites at home yeah Matt Stafford has not looked right to me for like two months and. 
if he doesn't get Cooper Cup going, he's liable to just kind of not do anything for a while. And I'm not blaming the receivers for that. Like, I, I think, you know, Stafford might be hurt or whatever. Maybe that has something to do with it. But sometimes he just seems to be doing stupid things, too. So that's a little frustrating. Um, it's possible, though, that Stafford, I don't know, like maybe he maybe he does his dumb things when he's feeling comfortable, like he's feeling like he has a safe spot to in, to uh, experiment or something. I don't know. I shouldn't try to speculate on his, his psychological state or whatever too much. But in any case, this game seems pretty serious. Like, so maybe they'll, maybe he'll be more focused than he has been in some games. And if so, he should be fine here, but he, he should have been much cleaner against the Ravens than he was too. I think you can both give credit to the Ravens and say Stafford didn't play well enough. So mm-hmm. he needs to play better here. Um, I guess maybe, maybe he doesn't really need to because Trey Lance, uh, even though he did good last week, and even though he should have been starting all year over Jimmy Garoppolo, it's still a tough spot for him uh, to be in this game, a game of the stakes, especially when just two weeks ago his coach was finding any excuse possible to not put him on the field. So um, it's a dangerous spot for the Rams, but they should take care of it, especially with the 49ers defense so beat up at corner. Yeah, that, I'm expecting that the Rams to take care of business here um, as well and cover that number. Uh, next up, we got... Uh, Seahawks Cardinals uh, Cardinals six and a half point favorites in that one uh, I I know you're, you're not this type of guy but you're welcome to go ahead and, and victory lap or shot penny a little bit uh, I mean I'll, I'll victory lap something but yeah I was I, I I can't do it with him this year because I thought he was busted you know uh, okay. I always liked him as well. I was worried that he just had like a straight up screwed up knee you know something like that mm-hmm. so it's nice to see him doing so well I really think he's always been this guy and that people just you know criticized him for not running the same way and going doosh, 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 as Chris Carson it's like you gotta you gotta make the truck sounds or else I can't enjoy a running back <laughs> uh, no matter if he's averaging five or more yards a carry, it's like he's got to go dush, dush, dush. Um, so anyway, yeah, Penny runs around people and runs past them instead of going dush, 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 and that makes people upset sometimes. But uh, he's a good player. The one thing is, I don't know if it's a good setting for him. Like, uh, if, if the Cardinals play the Seahawks the same way they played the Cowboys, that might be just an impossible situation for the Seahawks offense because Russell Wilson basically has the deep ball and not much else. And if you're dropping back all your coverage immediately, every snap, uh, that type of pass doesn't really work unless you have a counter move and they don't. And the closest to a counter they have is the run game, which if you send like six guys at the line of scrimmage and drop back the other five, just way deep every play, I think that can make it tough on the Seahawks. But if they get some favorable box setups, if they, if they have more, you know, if they have blockers more than the defenders that they're trying to run block, I think Penny can, run on this defense this defense is not exactly good against the run it needs to kind of sell out a little bit against the run to to show up strong in that part of the field okay all right that that all checks out certainly and then rounding things out a game where theoretically both teams could just kneel it out have a tie nice old gentleman's tie and both make the postseason isn't Chargers is it, Raiders? Is that the thing, or is it also more specifically that they need to tie for either of them to get in? Like, do they both need to tie to get in, or is that the weird detail? Oh, I'm oh, I'm not. I'm that not would totally be amazing. Sure that, that would be amazing if the Jags win, and it's like, okay, the Chargers and, and the Raiders both need they need to tie, or else neither of them get in. That would be amazing. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I think the Raiders have some issues despite beating the uh, the Colts. And I don't think that Justin Herbert is enough like Carson Wentz for them to be safe here. 
Yeah, I, I take the Chargers. I'm kind of amazed that the Raiders are are even in this position. That, that, Nate that Hobbs not playing really matters if he's if he's out. Like they're he, he's a really good player despite his stupid thing. So they mm-hmm. lose a really good player if he's out. Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem. Um, you know, the, the replacement for for him against Herbert that does not Keenan well Allen specifically. The Raiders. Yeah, exactly. So that that's going to be tough for the Raiders. That's going to do it for us here. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast, the preview show for Week 18, brought to you again by our friends over at WinBet. Thanks for listening. Try Roto-Wire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.